Welcome to the Taste and See podcast, a place where we can discuss our experiences in the kingdom of God and discover how we can impact the world around us, thereby being the salt and light of the earth. Here is your host, Josh Emmerich. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us for the very first episode of the Taste and See podcast. We have a great show lined up for you today, as we are going to be addressing the Holy Spirit in pursuing the gate of heaven. What do I mean by that? You will soon find out. But before we begin, I wanted to invite you on this journey with me called the Taste and See podcast. The vision for the Taste and See podcast started just earlier this year when I started to understand and fully embrace and celebrate the goodness of God in all circumstances. I was in a pretty low place in my life. To be honest, I felt I was passed over on some ministry opportunities, and I felt that I wasn't worth much. I remember in my prayer closet, I spent countless hours wrestling with God and questioning His will for my life, and if He even cared. As I began to move deeper in conversation with God, I felt myself being exposed more to His glory, His mercy, and His grace. And eventually, this road led me to one conclusion, that God is good. Even when we don't feel it or see it, He is working. He desires life for me and not death. He desires freedom for me and not bondage. He desires peace for me and not anxiety. He even desires joy for me not depression. Through this new outlook on the goodness of God, I started to see things through a different lens. I started to see people, situations, opportunities, and even obstacles differently. What would happen if we created a culture where strongholds were broken, marriages were restored, lonely people felt embraced, and cancer wasn't tolerated? How would our neighborhoods look if we were a people of prayer rather than victims to our anxiety and depression? What if we started looking at responsibilities and obligations and encounters with others as divine appointments from God to bring His kingdom to earth? Friends, I am so glad that you have decided to join me for this journey. The name of this podcast is based off of Psalm 34, verse 8. It reads, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. At a quick glance, we can easily fall to a simple interpretation of this verse. God is good. While that is true, this verse stands ready and poised to speak so much more into our lives. In fact, there are two specific actions that we see in the first part of this verse. Taste and see. Taste as a verb means to experience the flavor of. See, as a verb, means to perceive with the eyes or to discern visually. So, taste is an experience, while to see is a perspective. When we experience the presence of God, it changes things. It even changes the way we perceive or look at things. I was depressed, and I felt unworthy of God's calling. But, When I experienced his presence on a deeper level, it changed my perspective. Instead of not feeling worthy, I realized I was loved. Instead of feeling depressed, I felt joy. My circumstances did not change, 
but my perspective did. Experiencing God and his kingdom changes everything. Friends, it is my prayer that through this podcast, we would be able to celebrate the love, compassion, grace, goodness, glory, wonder, beauty, tenderness, power, and it goes on and on of God. I pray that as we dive deeper into his word, that our lives would be transformed. But let us pray that it goes even further. Let's transform the lives around us. Because that, my brothers and sisters, is bringing the culture of heaven straight to earth. We have a lot in store for you this first season. While there are times where we will slow down and simply rest in his word, we will also hear from some special guests as well. It is my hope that this podcast would be a celebrating beacon of God's goodness and presence in our lives. We are going to dive into some important topics such as money, marriage, ministry, leadership, racial relationships, purpose, and purity, all being explored through the lens of a kingdom perspective. In a nutshell, this podcast is about exploring and better equipping each other to be the salt and light of the earth. It is my prayer and hope that we become co-laborers with Christ as we bring God's presence into our homes, marriages, friendships, workplaces, churches, schools, and communities. Let's let heaven invade earth through our time together, and let's carry it from here. Let's carry it outside of our homes, out of our offices, and out of our vehicles. And that brings us to our first episode. Today, we'll be talking about pursuing the gate of heaven. I'm willing to bet you are probably asking the question, what do you mean by that? Well, a gate is a means through which something can invade or enter something else. For example, if I'm in my yard but walk through a gate to the other side of the fence, I am in my neighbor's yard. I was once in a place that was rightfully mine, but now I am in a place I am not. But what's unique about God's kingdom is that through Christ's work on the cross, God has a right to both sides of the fence, to both heaven and to earth. And he desires all of us to work alongside him to bring more of his culture, heaven, to earth. So, how do we have access to the heavenly realms? Is it even possible to have access to these realms? And by what means can we tap into and share the culture of heaven on earth? Turn with me, if you can, to Genesis 28. Here we see Jacob, who has just received a blessing from his father, and moved to Padan Aram to stay with his uncle, just like his father had instructed him. Let's pick up in verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. 
I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present it to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Here we see something very interesting. In fact, it's so interesting that it caused Jacob to be afraid. In his dream, Jacob sees this long stairway that led all the way from earth where he was laying into heaven. If that isn't awesome enough, Jacob then sees these angels of God ascending and descending on the stairway. If that's not an image of heaven entering earth, I don't know what is. Here, God assures Jacob that he is with him and will protect him wherever he goes. In response, when Jacob awakens, he declares the presence of God by saying, Surely the Lord is in this place, and that he caught a glimpse of heaven invading the earth. He takes a stone, makes a memorial of it, anoints it with oil, and calls the place Bethel, the house of God. Isn't it interesting that the very first place we see the concept of house of God was in this very moment when Jacob saw this gate of heaven reaching down to earth? What might God be trying to reveal to us in this account? I believe that God desires more than fellowship with his people. He desires to bring heaven itself to us. When heaven invades earth is where the presence of God is most known and where his creation gets a glimpse of his glory, power, and majesty. Let's look in John 1. Here, we see Jesus walking along and calling his first disciples after he was baptized by John the Baptist. And at the start of his ministry on earth, Jesus had already called Simon and his brother Andrew, but starting in verse 42, he calls even more people. Says the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Let's pause for a minute. There are several things that stick out here. First, Jesus knew Nathanael before Nathanael ever knew him. How? Because God knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us so much, he didn't just create us. He knows us. The second interesting discovery is what Jesus mentions to Nathanael after he declares Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, You will see greater things than this. I tell the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, Jesus, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, that description sounds familiar, doesn't it? Just as Jacob saw the presence of heaven ascending and descending into earth, Jesus declares that his followers will see the exact same thing, and furthermore, they will do greater things than him. Finally, Jesus declares something really important. He is the stairway between heaven and earth. Let that sink in for a moment. Without Jesus, the world and the realm of heaven are divided. The culture of heaven can't invade earth without him. Jesus is perfect theology. He is the most perfect representation and understanding of who God is in human form. Friends, without Jesus paying the ultimate price on the cross for the curse of sin and death, he would have never taken back the keys from hell and paved a way for heaven to invade earth. Hallelujah for the cross. Let's fast forward once again to the next book in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Acts was written by a Dr. Luke who witnessed and accounted for most of the events of the early church. Here, in chapter 2, Jesus has already died on the cross, rose on the third day, spent some more time with his disciples, and then ascended to heaven. Before Jesus ascended, he reminded them of the promise of the Holy Spirit, which they would be baptized with in just a few days. Now it's a few days later, and let's start with verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in various languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, 
and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. We hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. I am willing to bet that some of you are probably familiar with this story. In church history and culture, it is known as the day of Pentecost, or the day that the Holy Spirit fell upon a group of believers in the form of fire, and the church was born lit and aflame with the passion and zeal for Jesus Christ. But what intrigues me about this moment is that in the midst of this great supernatural event, we can only see two natural phenomenons, wind and fire. Let's pause and think about that for a minute. And as we're thinking about it, let's read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. It reads, Regarding the angels, he, God, says, He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. So, in other words, God sends angels, and the same ones we saw ascending and descending from heaven into earth on the stairway, as wind and fire. Hmm. Could it be that when the Holy Spirit fell upon the group of believers gathered and praying in that small room, that heaven finally invaded earth? I believe it did. In fact, the presence of God and the culture of heaven moved so much that day that Peter preached boldly under the influence of the Spirit. 3,000 people were saved, and the Church of Christ was born. Friends, that is a cause for celebration. But you also might be asking the question, that was over 2,000 years ago. How does this apply to me? Because you, friend, are a part of the church. And if God could move in such a powerful way 2,000 years ago by bringing heaven to earth, why couldn't he do it today? Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, Jesus makes three things very clear. Number one, having faith in Jesus empowers us to do supernatural works. Two, we will do even greater things than he did. And three, whatever we ask for in Jesus' name, he will do it to glorify the Father. Just as the Holy Spirit empowered the church to embrace the supernatural presence of God and bring the culture of heaven to earth, he asks the same of us this very day. So my friends, what are we waiting for? What is holding you back from encountering God on such a deep level that heaven can't help but burst forth through the floodgates and invade the earth? Is it insecurity, fear, fatigue, or failure? 
Or maybe it's anger or resentment towards someone you haven't forgiven. Maybe you have wronged someone and you haven't reconciled with them. Maybe the voices of the enemy are louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, lean in. Press into God. He wants you to experience His presence. Experience His presence like you have never before. Worship Him longer. Pray more. Listen more than talk. Read His promises that never return void. Taste and experience that the Lord is good and see things through a different lens. When this happens and we grow in our relationship with God, and we fall deeper into his presence, insecurity turns into confidence in the power of God. Fear turns into a peace that surpasses all understanding. Fatigue turns into renewed strength like wings of an eagle. And failure turns into the promise that you are already accepted and adopted by God. And this anger that you have turns into love and resentment turns into forgiveness and reconciliation. The presence of God changes things. I know this because I have experienced this, and countless others before us have experienced it as well. I once heard from Pastor Bill Johnson a story about a pastor who was in the middle of a building project for his church to build a new sanctuary. He was so excited about the project and the vision it would accomplish. He wanted to help so much with the project, but had no building skills. So the pastor was persistent in asking the contractor if he could help, and the contractor finally caved in. He gave the excited pastor this task. I need 100 2x4s cut to 8 feet in length for tomorrow morning. With excitement, once everyone left for the night, the pastor got to work on his special project. He took the first piece of wood, measured eight feet with his tape measure, and marked it. He cut the board exactly where he measured it. Then, instead of using the tape measure to measure the next piece of wood, he laid the board he just cut on top of the uncut board and marked the edge of the new board where it needed to be cut. What efficiency, right? This will save him time for sure. Using the same method, the pastor cut all 100 boards with plenty of time to spare. Here is the issue. By using the last cut board to mark the next uncut board, each board was about one-eighth of an inch longer than the previous board. And at the end of his project, some of these boards were over nine feet long. I bring this story up because for years, the church has been comparing itself to prior generations as the measuring stick. We have moved further away from the Holy Spirit with watered-down doctrines and practices that are safe and natural and that shy away from the supernatural. We say, we are progressing, aren't we? We are more modern and accepting than our parents and grandparents were. But perhaps by shying away from the Holy Spirit and the supernatural moves of God, we find ourselves nine feet away from where God intended us to be. Perhaps we have become more people-friendly at the expense of being spirit-filled. So, friends, what steps can you take to encounter the Holy Spirit on a deeper level? 
How can your relationship with the Holy Spirit overflow into your life and those around you? What miracles does God want to do in your life? What miracles does God want to do through you in your neighbor, coworker, friend, and family? God is looking for a people who will give a resounding yes before he even asks anything of us. What will be your yes? God is on the move and he desires to move supernaturally into and around your life. The gate of heaven is ready with doors wide open, thanks to Jesus. So, stand up, embrace the presence of God, open wide to the power of the Holy Spirit, and watch the glory of God fill every crevice and space of your life. Holy Spirit, come. We are here for you. Thank you for listening to the Taste and See podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and empowered by our conversation today. For future and past episodes, please follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Taste and See podcast. Now go, live for the kingdom, and always remember that the Lord is good.